This is Life in FM, the Good Shepherd Fargo Moorhead podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Pastor Taylor, your host, and this week I have Sharon Nelson here. Now Sharon is a longtime educator and member of Good Shepherd, and she's also walked alongside her family as they've dealt with dementia. We're excited to be able to have conversation about ways that we can equip each other for the journey ahead. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and share with your friends and family. This is Life in FM. As I have looked back at my own life uh, and some of the the difficult seasons I've walked through with loved ones, um, I was inspired by a recent conversation with Sharon as she shared about ways that she was walking alongside family, but also equipping other family members and friends uh, as they battled the the reality of dementia within family. And I'll just start by sharing a quick story on my part. Uh, When I was growing up, uh, my grandma started to have uh, memory loss, and it became very difficult for me as a teenager and, and somebody into my early 20s uh, to literally see her kind of unraveling before my eyes, uh, still physically uh, the same person, but mentally not the same. And the conversations that we had uh, were incredibly difficult uh, for me to comprehend at the time. Also, I didn't have resources to be able to, to really dive into that fully. Um, and as I went into my chaplaincy CPE uh, when I was in seminary, uh, they tried to kind of challenge you a bit. And so they put me on the geriatric mental health floor uh, to kind of work through some of those wounds I had that hadn't quite healed. And I, I, as I look back and as I, as I look at what Sharon has most recently gone through with her family, uh, we wanted to make sure throughout the season of Lent that we were not only equipping you with, with chances to be able to grow closer to God, but also to be whole. And I think that some of the information that Sharon's going to share today is going to help you and your loved ones uh, become healthy, whole people as we deal with the realities that come in life, including, unfortunately, dementia. And so, Sharon, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for you today uh, of sharing your story. So let's jump in. One of the, the things I think about with dementia is that it is a period of time that is the longest grieving process a person could probably recognize it goes on and on and on um, and it's very complex because the person you're grieving over is still present and with you so we what we need to do is step into an understanding of where they're at and how we might become compassionate caregivers so we have um, to remove ourselves from this scenario very much so which we're selfish people that can be a hard thing yeah. to do um, but yet we need to we need to really put them at the forefront uh, in those moments. Yes. Share more about that. Yes. Well, they still have that emotional capacity to feel, and they still are really important people. So we have to look along the way about how to preserve their dignity and be respectful to them. Um, they um, they probably are experiencing a loss of memory. Their memory is probably being erased backwards, and it mm. is probably. Um, one of those things where they'll be lost in time and space. Uh, they may think they're 30. A lot of times they end up in that 30-year-old range. Sure. And they think they're 30, so they need to go get a job. Um, sometimes they're waiting for their mom and dad to come home. Um, so it is a really interesting change in their life. I, I think my grandma was stuck at about 40, 45. Oh. Um, you know, somewhere in there. And, but it, it, would, it would shift quite a bit. Uh, and then at one point, um, she got really upset and told the nurses that uh, 
that she did not approve of her daughter's new fiance. Now, the new fiance <laughs> was me. Um, you know, no longer was I Charlie Brown, the little the little grandson, but I was now the cabana boy that was running off to Hawaii oh, um, yeah. with with her daughter. And you know, that was a that was interesting. But again, like they yes. I can look back and and fully remember her being stuck in those moments. But again, I didn't know what to do with that. And yeah. I just got embarrassed and I got kind of upset and confused and, and all of those things. And then I just kind of had to move on rather than living into that moment with them. Yep, yep. Well, one of the things I've done a lot of research and listened to experts like Tipa Snow, um, Diane, or Deb Collin, Fargo-Moorhead area, Erin um, Benito. Uh, anyway, in, in all the work I've been looking at, they continue to say step into their reality mm. you may have to use therapeutic fibs to get through it's not necessarily lying as lying as much it is as it is stepping into their reality which is their truth sure um that was the first thing i had to think about is how do i step into that person's reality um then the second thing was simply how do i adapt so that there's genuine um, pleasure, purpose, and a peace for that person, mm. which is really difficult because they zigzag in their thinking. They zigzag, where am I at? What place am I in? So it becomes a really a challenge that way. How do I have a meaningful conversation and experiences with them? Um, so those things, you, you, you want to start stepping into that. What helped me was to figure out what I should not do. Okay. Sh share more about that. So some of the things I realized that I could not do was react, particularly negatively, scold, or contradict. Okay. Because their reality is so intense at the point they're in it. You, you're never going to win. Mm -hmm. it, it is what it is. I barely uh, won with my grandma when, <laughs> when she was of sound mind. Yeah. And yet, you know, when, when she was in, uh, in this different reality, that, that, is, uh, that rings very true for me. Yeah. Trying to correct them, it's almost impossible because it is so true for them. Um, pointing out their errors, their mistakes, um, it becomes so difficult for them to think they're always wrong, that nothing is right. And they're in the process of trying to find purpose versus abandonment. Sure. Here, what am I doing here? What, why am I here? Why has everybody left me here? Uh, raising your voice is not a good idea. Trying to push your own agenda is not a good idea. Um, stop taking their comments and their reactions or actions personally. Really hard to do. Oh, gosh. As a pastor, that's incredibly hard to do. Yes. Again, from, from folks of sound mind, that when, <laughs> when, when folks are critical, when folks have feedback, mm -hmm. when folks tell you that you're doing something wrong, I know how I respond. Yeah. It's not great all the time. You know, the walls go up. Um, yes. I, I have anxiety. And, and so there are those moments sometimes where I become overly anxious uh, when I when I can't control the things that are happening around me, and I can only imagine uh, for somebody that is dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's or some other uh, form of memory loss, that that would be very hard because their whole understanding uh, is is wrapped up in that moment. Yes, yes, yes. So there again, step try to step into their shoes. Mm. You know, thinking about their reality. What is their reality? Um, stop asking questions. Questions are like a pop quiz. Talk about anxiety. Yeah. If I get this answer wrong, I'm stupid again. 
Well, I mean, this is coming from a teacher. Yes. You yeah, know, yeah. Imagine all those all those students I that you've had throughout the years that uh, were yes. just praying that Mrs. Nelson wasn't <laughs> going to have a pop quiz. Yeah. So the the questions about don't you remember when we, and mm. it, you know just what did you have for breakfast? We have no idea often. Sure. Or did I just eat five, five minutes ago? Like, why haven't you brought me breakfast yet? Well, you just ate it. it you know, so stop asking questions. Um, stop apologizing for dementia. I would not ask you to apologize if you had a heart attack. Sure. I'm so sorry I did that, I, you know, or my loved one did that. They just had a heart attack. Uh, we don't need to apologize for it. We need to adapt to it. Sure. Um, so some of the things to do would be really helpful that's so that's what I did first what shall I stop doing and then what shall I step to do next that maybe would be helpful so what I just said stop asking questions so start figuring out how to connect without a question and one really good way to do that is to say I was thinking okay like I was thinking about about the you know when I was a little girl and it snowed and I remember the snow was as high as the shed and I got to climb up onto the roof and I looked down and there you were trying to make a path in the snow with the tractor however when you do do that mm -hmm. sometimes the person that is listening to you which was my dad and it was his second to the last day of life he said to me I gotta get up and go finish the snow <laughs> <laughs> and then then you have to think of okay I need to give him an answer he wants sure so that's the next thing is, what kind of answer will I give? What's well, one he's expecting? Yep. So I was able to say, you finished it. You're all done. The snow was moved perfectly. And then he was, you know, then he could rest. And if there's any more, I'll come back to you and let you know. So answering a question that they might have or a concern with what you would expect, maybe the answer is. So you really have to start diving as, you know, okay, what time reality are they in? What kind of answer might I need to do or give them at this point? Sure. That's huge. Because I, I, I think of all the times, uh, again, even with some, some patients and some congregation members uh, here and elsewhere that have gone through uh, memory loss, it's been very hard because their whole identity for others is wrapped up in the, up in the things that they've done. Um, yes. things that they've done here around the church, things that they've done out in the community. And it can be very hard for us to see them differently because in our eyes, like they're always going to be fill in the blank who did this. But also we need to be reminded that for these individuals, they also are tied up in that story. And they may, uh, they may need to have that kind of urge to Go and finish the uh, the plowing. Oh, yes. Hop yes. back on that tractor. Yes. Well, you give them permission and affirmation that oh, you did a great job and it's done. Oh. Yeah. I know from my my own experience. I love when the uh, driveway's all done. I love when the <laughs> lawn's done. Sometimes I even like to look back out the window and, and admire my work. But if you're <laughs> able to do that affirmation for them, they can then kind of rest easy and and settle into mm -hmm. this moment. Yeah. And then where the conversation goes, you know, you follow along and, and you do your best as caregiver and loved one and friend to to be with them and be present and, and to care for them. And they do love somebody with them and spending time with them. So that's where it becomes kind of interesting or helpful to collect their history, their preferences, their what brings them comfort, names of friends and family. So you and share that with the caregivers 
So, for instance, mm. my dad's busy saying, "You got to get, I got to get that calf in." Well, then the caregiver, oh, that's right, he had cattle, and this is, you know, he probably has a, a calf that was just birthed. Okay, well, here's where that calf is. The calf is now you. You put or I put that calf in the barn to the point where you almost have to know the barn on the north place. Sure. And then there's comfort. Yep. Okay. So getting information into any caregiver's hands as much as they can know that might lend some sort of therapeutic fib to help them would be great. Well, and, and even, again, we're, we're focusing on realities of caregiving with dementia. Um, but as I think of, you know, my wife and I coming together, we're merging families, right? Mm -hmm. uh, family history, family baggage. Uh, all of those things yes. um, in that moment. But when you look down the line, 20, 30, 40 years, and parents and grandparents are starting to age, um, I've been asked questions by my spouse about uh, loved ones that are no longer with us that I don't know the answer to, which is discouraging uh, okay. because I missed out maybe on my grandpa as an example, um, died when, when my mom was uh, a young teenager. And so I never got to meet Grandpa Bob, but there are moments that, as we've been talking about uh, our family lineage with my kids, Julie will ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it. And that's a, it's a bummer because I, I've missed out on, on learning about some of those pieces, but it also has made me shift to what do I know about my parents? People who have, you know, walked alongside me literally uh, since birth. Uh, I don't know some really important details. And as my own parents age, um, I worry that, you know, when, when it comes to uh, directives, when it comes to yes. obituaries, when it comes to, you know, mm -hmm. pray to God that that's not anything I have to actually worry about for many, many, many years. Right. But do I have that information for my own sanity yes. and, and for my own purpose of, of, you know, loving and caring for them that I'm able to help fill in the blanks? Right. So I, I think that this this information is not only for people that are, uh, you know, walking alongside those that are dealing with memory loss, but also just our own memories and our own experiences. I, I think that uh, you being able to encourage us to pass on some of those key points and information is just good stuff for us to mm -hmm. do anyways. Yeah, it, it was so helpful to me to know so many of those things to help calm situations earlier mm -hmm. the caregivers would say to me even things like taking medicine they wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily take it from them but when I would come in the room and that's the other thing you have to think about is how do you approach them approach them at their level don't stand over them sure approach them at their level have a friendly conversation you may have to have short sweet conversations that are only seven words and then allow them to process their brains are shrinking they're losing their brain matter so you need to let them figure out and process what's being said. Um, but being able to come in as someone that they, oh, I recognize that voice. Oh, that person knows that about me. Oh, okay. So I will come in, you know, hi, Sharon, it's your daughter. And sometimes use humor. Hi, it's Sharon, your daughter. And I, am I talking too much again? You know, I mean, just anything just to, oh, yeah. So humor is really a great way to get at some of, the, um, some of these things, even bringing in history. We would drive down this road 200 to Ada, and we'd drive by this shed. And remember, the, 
when we first drove by it, Dad was able to say, they built that shed for a tax deduction. It's never been used. <laughs> well, later on, when we were driving down that and he was having trouble knowing where we were and where are we going, we drove by that particular shed. I looked at him, he looked at me, and we laughed for five minutes straight. Wow. He knew exactly what was that shed was all about, and so did I. We laughed and laughed. It was really precious. Yeah, so... Um, so that whole that whole idea of approaching them uh, with something familiar, with a soft voice at their level, is also another really positive thing to do to help them process why you're there and sure. what you're doing. Do you think that this approach helped your relationship in this season of life? I do. I think it helped. We'd established it prior. We used some of the same things prior as the memories were starting to go, but wasn't quite there we would always because my dad always used humor himself okay so it was easy to keep the humor in there um it was easy to remind him of what his purpose was that's something i've always tried to do is thank you for what you've done thank you for making this for me thank you for doing this so on the day that we had to move my mom out he looked at me later in the day and he said there's something wrong back there and he said back there and we had taken things out when he was out of the room there's missing a bed. And I said, I know, Dad, I am so sorry. None of us are happy about this. But you remember how legacy, or, or your legacy, or what's always been important to our family, and you has always been family, health, and faith. Well, Mom's health is being affected. And the doctor has asked that she have a quieter place to be at, and that she, you know, I just kind of went through some lifestyle things for her. And so we're really looking at her well-being, and he said, oh, good. Whereas we were, most of us were expecting he would just explode. Sure. And why are you taking her away from me? And he was, oh, good, you're caring for her. That's huge. Same, same thing happened when he, he was going, I'm going to go get my bear coat. Give me the keys. And I was able to say, do you remember? I'll always remember what you taught me about giving up keys. That moment when your mother came home and she couldn't see where she was driving and she gave you the keys and you were so pleased that she would just give up her driving rights because you knew she knew it was important for everyone else. I said, I remember when you did that. You gave me the keys because you knew it would be so important. You've taught me such a huge lesson in that. And it was after that conversation he went from, come on, we got to get going to, I think I'll go sit down and rest for a while. Mm. So, so, so validating is so important and just spending that time you know just to say this is what i know about you and this is what i've appreciated about you and that i was surprised myself that bringing up family faith and health that i could keep referring to those in his last days even um, and i didn't start using those three words actually until about maybe three months before his death that i started to move into those words because i couldn't find a way to bring him some peace and calm him but those, those worked. Well, Sharon, I'm so grateful to have you in on the Life in FM podcast today, sharing some of your experiences and knowledge that, again, you've created and curated uh, from, from local and, and national folks that this is their area of study. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is their passion project. And I'm so grateful that you're continuing to share it here, uh, not just only with family and friends, but also with your church. And I want to make sure that you're aware uh, as well, Good Shepherd, that Sharon's going to be w walking alongside Pastor Maggie here to be able to share these resources with the congregation. So as you have needs, Sharon wants to make herself available to you. 
but also in our resource room right next to our office. We'll have some of this information for you to pick up as well. I hope that you'll continue to love and care for those in your midst in ways that are practical and ways that are faithful. And I pray that you continue to find ways to be a light for this world, this world that God created and loves. Make sure that you continue to check out the Life in FM podcast, subscribe, share, and let's be the church together. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, check back weekly for new content, and if you'd like to support this important ministry of Good Shepherd, you can go to our website, knowthegoodshepherd.org slash giving for a one-time or recurring gift, or you can text a dollar amount to the number 84321. Thanks for being a part of the community here at Good Shepherd. This is Life in FM.